celebrated gets repeated. So we know that if we celebrate you every Sunday, then hopefully you're going to come back and want to be back the next Sunday and the next Sunday and the next Sunday. So um, I'm just so glad that you are with us this morning. Uh, today we have week two of My Refuge. And so uh, I want to invite you, if you didn't come to week one last week, that's okay. You can pick up at any point of the process. Um, it's designed so that you can and hopefully not feel left out. Uh, we want you to feel like you're a part of it. So uh, you can jump in at any time. And uh, today is week two. It's called My Place because we talk about discovering our purpose. We say this. We say that we want people to know God. We want them to live free. We want them to know their pur- discover their purpose. And then we want them to make an impact in the world around us. And, um, and we have a process for doing that. We We know God through our worship experiences. Hopefully you're here this morning because you want to know God. The second thing that we want you to do is we want you to live free. And we do that in the context of small groups. And you can check out our small groups at refugemain.church forward slash groups. If you're not in a small group, you need to be in a small group because that's where you start to discover the freedom that God wants you to discover. So, um... The reason we say that you find freedom in small groups is the best explanation I can think of for it is this. And that is that if you are the only person that knows your secrets, then you're trapped. If you can't share your secrets with other people, then, um, then you're, you're trapped and, and you're not living in freedom. It's when we start to share our secrets with others that we're no longer trapped. That, we're, that we start to live in the freedom. Now, I realize that can be very scary. <laughs> Some of you guys are like, I don't want to tell anybody my secrets. You probably don't want to know them either. But guess what? In small groups, we have the opportunity to get to know each other. And as you get to know each other and you become more comfortable with each other, then you start to blossom and start to open up to each other. And so that's why we do small groups, so that we can all live in freedom. And, um, and we realize that uh, showing up to a small group doesn't mean that you're going to start to live in freedom right away. It's going to take a process. It's going to take time. So we have, a, we have semesters of small groups. The only time that we don't do small groups is a portion of the winter time. We pick them back up in about mid-February. That's still winter time. So um, I want you to, to know that uh, you, can, you can join a small group at any time, and it will... It'll be, it'll be great. Um, we, I was talking to our, our small group coach this morning about attendance in small groups this semester. And we estimate that we have roughly 42% of our church involved in a small group. That's a pretty good number, especially, especially for a church that's only two years old. Uh, but we want that number to be 100%. Because we realize that in order to grow larger, we have to first grow smaller. And we grow smaller in the context of small groups. Anyway, that's my plug for small groups. Um, I'm trying to plug my refuge, and I've plugged small groups more than my refuge. You understand how that works. But um, my refuge today is designed 
to discover our purpose. That's the whole concept. That's the whole reason why we do my refuge. Because when you start to discover your purpose and why you're created, then you can use the gifts that God has given you, the purpose that God has given you, to make an impact in the world. And so we make an impact in the world on our dream team by serving. You don't, you don't serve. We don't call our dream team our dream team because you're helping me fulfill my dream that God has given me. We call our dream team our dream team because we're going to be a church filled with dreamers. We're going to be a church filled with people that realizes that we can make an impact in this world. No matter how you want to impact the world, we want to empower you and give you the tools that you need to make the impact in the world that you want. And so that's why, are you guys awake this morning? Come on, that, like, that's good. Like, like, hopefully that makes you cheer and clap and get involved. And so um, either I'm really boring or you are just asleep and really don't have any care at all about what I'm saying right now. So I'm going to say whatever I want to for crying out loud, but you don't care anyway. So uh, I want to invite you on this journey uh, over the next uh, so many minutes. With me, I'm going to hopefully, if I do my job this morning, I'm going to take us all on a journey through Scripture to, to help us to learn what God has for us today. And um, I'm talking about something today that I've talked about in the past. Um, maybe some, uh, some of it I will bring up what I've talked about in the past. But um, today I'm, I'm talking about conflict, uh, but I'm talking about it in a, in a different way, so hopefully... Um, you'll be able to, to get something out of it this morning. It's part six of what we're calling Summer at the Refuge. Uh, the reason why we're calling it Summer at the Refuge is because, and the reason why it's part six, we don't usually do a series of, like, a long series, like, with a lot of, um, with a lot of weeks in between. Uh, we usually like structure of three to four weeks, uh, where we take, a topic, and we talk about it for three or four weeks in, in different ways. We call those series. But right now, in the summertime, how many of you are enjoying life without any structure? Come on, somebody. You know you are enjoying life without any structure. Some of you guys are like, yeah, but my kids are at home. I wish I could, could enjoy structure without my kids being at home. There will come a day, ladies and gentlemen, and then you'll have grandkids at home. But then you can send them back to their mom and dad, that's the great thing about grandkids, right? Uh, someone told me, uh, my pastor actually tells me, Adam, if you don't like your kids now, just wait, you got better ones coming. Just wait, you got better ones coming. They're called grandkids. So um, all the grand- grandparents in the house, raise your hand so we can celebrate you. Yeah, you're enjoying life as a grandparent. You are enjoying life as a grandparent. I didn't plan on doing that, but... Um, Grandparents need to be celebrated all the time, so we uh, we do that. Um, but we're enjoying life without any structure in, in our in our summer at the refuge. And so, over the last few weeks, um, we've actually um, I've put together three sermons or three messages that could actually be their own series um, in and of themselves. And uh, two weeks ago, I, I talked about about the topic of honor, and I'll refer to that in a little while. And if, if you miss any of these messages and I, and I give you, a, you know, the, a, a topic that you want to listen to, you can go back and listen to any of our messages from the last two years, really, 
um, on our website, refugemain.church forward slash messages, or in iTunes, on, on the iTunes podcast. Um, you can search my name, Adam Harold, or you can search Refuge Maine. Sometimes when you search Refuge Maine, it doesn't come up. So, uh, But if you put my name in there, you can find it. And uh, you can listen to any of those. But we talked about honor two weeks ago, and then, and then last week we kind of took it to another step, and we said, what happens when we need to take a stand? And we said that oftentimes we take a stand in surrender. When we find a way to surrender, we can take a stand. And again, you can listen to that message. I'm not going to preach it again. But today I kind of want to give kind of a part three to that. And it's, and it's about, about conflict. And if you can turn to your Bibles uh, to the book of Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. You can also follow along in the YouVersion Bible app. We want to do everything that we can to put the information in your hands. So uh, we figure that everyone has a cell phone. And if you have the YouVersion Bible app, it tells you how to find it right here on the screen behind me. Uh, but you can follow along with all of today's notes um, in the YouVersion Bible app. Today I want to talk to you on the subject of dust. Not just conflict, but the subject of dust. You know, um, hopefully, hopefully you look at dust in a whole different way after today's Today's message, Matthew chapter 10, verse 14 says this. If any household or town refuses to welcome you or listen to the message, shake its dust from your feet and leave. Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for your word. Lord, I thank you for what you're doing in this room right now. Lord, with your presence, I pray that it would be felt. Lord, I thank you for what you teach us constantly. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Today we're talking about conflict, but we're talking about it in the form of dust, and I'll explain. Our big idea for today, if you have your, uh, your worship guide or if you have a pen, you can write this down. Uh, if you're not taking notes, write this down is what I say, right? If you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. God doesn't want us to carry conflict with us from one season into the next. God doesn't want us to carry conflict from one season into the next. This past week, Tanya and I both um, took this thing called the Enneagram. Now, anybody familiar with the Enneagram? You can raise your hand. You can, some familiar with the Enneagram? Some of you, uh, some of this will make sense. Some of this won't make sense, but that's okay. The Enneagram is kind of a self-assessment tool uh, to, uh, to really identify your personality type. And, and of late, the Enneagram has kind of gotten a whole lot of traction. It's become trendy. I've had some uh, pastor friends of mine tell me, dude, you got to take the Enneagram. You'll, you'll understand yourself so much better when you take the Enneagram. So this week, Ty and I both took it. And I discovered that I'm considered a nine on the Enneagram scale. Some of you know what that means. What, that, what the label for nine is a peaceful person. So that's, that's, my, that's my personality type. I'm a peaceful person. I'm a... I'm a nine. But I also figured out, or I also discovered that I'm, I'm a nine wing eight, which, which is really, really interesting. Because a nine is considered a peaceful person, but an eight is considered the challenger. And so inside of me, I have this peaceful person that I want to be at peace with everyone. But I also have this challenger inside of me that isn't afraid of conflict. And so... 
it's re- it was really, really intriguing to me this week as I discovered a little bit about myself. And what's amazing to me is, is that I had already des- decided that I was going to talk about conflict this morning before I even realized this about myself. And I don't fully understand what nine wing eight means right now. I, I can't explain it all to you. That doesn't mean that I have this topic of conflict figured out. Um, in fact, it probably just means that I, I'm even more confused than I think I am. And, um, and so as we discovered ourselves, we, we also discovered that, that Tanya is a three wing four. I hope she doesn't mind me telling you what she is, but that's what she was. And, um, and it's interesting because my personality type goes along with conflict, and, and it has a lot to do with conflict, but, but Tanya's has a lot to do with, with drive and success and failure. And, um, and so I'm driven by conflict. She's driven by work, right? And so um, it's it just, it just the whole thing just, just really, really interests me. I found a website that said this about Nine Wing Eight, and that it says, Nine Wing Eights are afraid to be separated from the world. They avoid this by preventing conflict. However, their eight wing also encourages them to, to be assertive, which can cre- create internal tension. And I'm like, uh, yeah, tell me about it. Like, this is, this is, this is right, on, right on cue with me. Their basic desire is to be internally balanced, and they seek peace with themselves and with other people. Um, I'm being very vulnerable right now, by the way, telling you, uh, you know, I'm just, I'm just laying it all out there. I have nothing to hide. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put it out there for you, and, um, and hopefully it, it helps me uh, become a better leader. Hopefully it helps you um, understand someone that you're hopefully following. Um, Nine Wing Eight says that I like peace, and sometimes I'll do anything to avoid conflict. But it also says that I'm not afraid to address things when I have to. Uh, one, one website uh, called the Nine Wing Eight, the advisor, says I'm willing to avoid the conflict, but I'm also willing to address it. Uh, one of the websites that I read, which, which I really enjoyed, I, I like that it. it said this about me. It says you have a deep sense of balance that will permit you to explore conflict in a way that will lead you to creative and lasting resolutions. I hope that I can come up with lasting resolutions anytime I experience conflict, but let's be honest, <laughs> there have been people that have left this church I can tell you otherwise. <laughs> That's funny, I don't care who you say. <laughs> I know what you say. I have to laugh about it because let's be honest, people have left our church and people have left our church over conflict and that, that doesn't mean that, I, that I'm happy about that. I'm, I'm, I'm not. But it just means that sometimes conflict comes that you just have to shake the dust off your feet. We're going to talk about about that. Um, most of you didn't come here today to hear about my personality type, so we're going to get going going with this message. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I talked about uh, if we want to understand Scripture deeper, one of the tools that we can use is a simple tool known as the law of first mention. And what that says is that if there's a word that grabs our attention that we're trying to study and we're trying to study that word, then we can go back to the very first time that it was mentioned in all the scripture 
and we can learn a little bit more about that word. And so if we use the law of first mention when it comes to dust, and like we read in Matthew chapter 10, verse 14, what, what gets confusing about the law of first mention is most of the time the original language that was written that, in that word was Greek, and the law of first mention is usually in Hebrew. So it's, it's, it's a little different because there's two different languages, but we get a concept from it, a deeper level of concept than, than what we do if we just read it. And so dust is first mentioned in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Genesis chapter 2, verse 7 says this, Then the Lord God formed man from dust of the ground, and he breathed breath of life into man's nostrils, and the man became a living person. Ladies and gentlemen, dust is the material that men are created. Women are created. The material that creates us. If that's not humbling, I don't know what is. We are all just made of dust. We are all just made of dirt. Some of you guys are like, yeah, some people are made of more dirt than others. It's true. We're all just people of dust, and dust is just the material that makes up man. And so when Jesus says, shake the dust off of our feet, I think that sometimes that we can actually refer it to conflict, conflict with other people. Does that, does that make sense? Are you guys making that connection? I'm, I'm hoping that you're making that connection with me. But while we're talking about dust, I find dust to be extremely intriguing, maybe more so than other people. Because think about the color of dust just for a moment. The color of dust is the color of humans. When you look at our skin color, ladies and gentlemen, we all make up the particles that make up the color of dust. We've got, we've got, we've got brown, we've got white, we've got black, we've got red. I used to live in Kentucky. There's this stuff in Kentucky called red clay. That's, that's, that's dirt. We make up human beings make up the color of dust. And that's why when we look at different races, we look at people that are just made of dust. The white man is no different than the black man because we are all created out of dust. It amazes me because the world teaches this theory known as evolution. And evolution says that the reason why there are different colors to people is because some people live closer to the sun than other people. But creation explains that the reason we are the color that we are is out of the dust that God created us. And I don't know about you, and, but for me, it's so much easier to, to, to believe that the dust makes up our color instead of the sun. Because the dust is what God used, the material that God used to create us. So when we, when we look at racial tension, racial conflict, there, there is no reason for it, ladies and gentlemen. We are all made from dust. 
maybe, just maybe, I will speak a message on that at some point, but today is not the day. I'm not going to talk about racial conflict. I'm just going to talk about conflict. I'm going to talk about those that are closest to you and those that don't agree with you. So this is myself reminding me to get off of my soapbox just for, just for a few weeks at least. Maybe some, someday we'll revisit that. Are you guys with me? Am I, I just feel, sometimes I feel like I'm talking to an empty room. So you're going to have to help me out. All right, good. There will be people throughout your life that you have to leave behind. And that's what Jesus is reminding us in Matthew chapter 10. I believe that what Jesus means in Matthew 10, 14 is don't get caught up in the conflict or disagreement. Just leave it. Just leave it. Some of you didn't understand that when Jesus came into your life and you invited him to come into your life, you didn't understand the reason why people that were a part of your past didn't understand the new person that you were, that you become, became. And so, so when Jesus comes into our lives and he transforms us and we allow him to transform us by trusting in him and allowing him to, to, to take us and to make us new people, we become new people that sometimes and oftentimes other people don't understand. And, on, and, and, and I think Jesus is saying, because the context here is Jesus is teaching his disciples to do ministry. And he's teaching them to do things like heal the sick, like make the lame walk again. He's teaching them to do things as radical as raising the dead. And there were people, a part of the towns that they were going in and out of, that didn't agree with what they were doing. And Jesus is saying, when you, when you encounter people that don't agree with you, take the dust off your feet and leave. However, when you enter into a home that, that receives you, then leave their home with blessing and bless them as you go. But those that don't agree with you, there is a time to shake the dust off your feet. There comes a point in our lives as followers of Jesus that we have to choose what side we are on. You have to choose what side you're on. There's the world's way and there's God's way. Thank goodness we have a book called the Bible that tells us what God's way is. We don't have a book that tells us what the world's way is. Or maybe we do. It might be called Facebook. We have a book to follow when it comes to God. Which one do you choose? 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and through 17 says this in the New Living Translation. It says, do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure. A craving for everything we see and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, 
but are from this world. Verse 17, and this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. Do you choose the world's way or do you choose, the, choose God's way? That's the question that we ask every week that we come into the refuge church. And in fact, if you go to a church that doesn't ask that question, maybe not in those terms, but th- they can ask it in, in different ways. But if they don't address world, the world's way versus God's way, then find another church. I don't, I don't say that often. I want to honor other churches, what other churches are doing. But there has to come a point, there has to come a time where we will stand on God's word. And at the refuge, that's what we promise that we will do. We may not like it, what God says. I don't, there are things that God says in his word that I don't, I don't always like. But I have to find a way to always agree with. And if I don't agree with it, then I have to, to come to a point in my life where I'll, I'll live it until I do agree with it. I'll preach it until I agree with it. I'll preach it to myself until I agree, it, agree with it. Because it's God's word. The reason the disciples had a job to do is that there were people that weren't in agreement with God. And Jesus is telling them, there will be people that don't agree with you. And when those people don't agree with you, shake the dust off your feet and leave. In scripture, shaking, off the, shaking the dust off our feet was not, only, was not the only solution for clean feet. And I love that. Jesus didn't say, the only way for you to clean your feet is to shake the dust off and to leave. But let me give you another way. It's found in John chapter 13. You can turn there. John chapter 13, verses 3 through 8. Don't carry conflict with us from one season to the next. John 13, 3 says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything and that he had come from God and would return to God. So he got up from the table, took off his robe, wrapped his towel around his waist, and poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' feet, drying them from the towel that he had around him. And then Jesus came to Simon Peter. Peter, he said, said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? He said, Jesus, are you going to do, do what I think you're going to do? Jesus replied, and wash it. Because I missed it this week. I missed it the first time I read it. Jesus replied, you don't understand now what I am doing, but someday you will. No, Peter protested, you will never ever wash my feet. And Jesus replied, unless I wash you, you won't belong to me. Ladies and gentlemen, I, this week I missed it. I, I thought that God had given us this analogy to us about washing feet and about, about keeping our feet clean to talk about conflict in our lives. And, and I'm reading the scripture and I'm going, where's the conflict, God? There's not any conflict there. 
miss this. Thank goodness I found it before today because I had a message to preach. You see, the conflict in John chapter 13 hasn't taken place yet. That's why Jesus said to Peter, Peter, you don't understand this now, but there will come a day when you do understand it. You see, later on, in, in, in fact, look at John chapter 3, verse 11. It said this, for Jesus knew who would betray him. This is where the conflict is. Jesus knew who would betray him. That, that is what he meant when he said, not all of you are clean. Jesus knew who was going to betray him because Peter was the guy that Jesus looked at and said, before the rooster crows three times, you will deny that you even know me. And before Peter even denies Jesus, before there's even an offense in Jesus' life, Jesus said, you know what, Peter? I'm going to cleanse you and make you whole. I'm going to forgive you before you even do it. And the cleansing of the feet represents the cleansing that God does in our lives and the cleansing of the relationship. In order for that to take place, forgiveness must be there. And so this week, God showed me that there will come conflict in our lives that we already have to forgive people for. Before it even gets there, we have to learn to be a people of forgiveness. That we will walk in forgiveness. That we will offer it to people before they even hurt us. That's what Jesus did. If we're going to be like him, we have to be willing to forgive people before they hurt us. But Jesus had the luxury of being God. <laughs> I am not God. And all the people said amen. He knew what was going to happen before it even did. So he was able to know that an offense was coming. But Jesus said, you know what, I'm going to take care of that offense before it even takes place. I'm going to remove myself from it. I'm going to forgive him for it before it even happens. And so there's two things about conflict I want you to see this morning. Number one is there is a time when we need to shake the dust off of our feet. There's a time when we need to shake the dust off of our feet and we need to remove people from our lives is what that means. And, and I, I hate that. But when we are a new person, when we become a new person, there will be people that disagree with us. And if we're going to continue to be a new person, we can no longer associate with those people. We, we have to leave them. That doesn't mean that you don't pray for them. We talked about that last week. We talked about, about praying for those that don't agree with us. We have to, to pray for them and continue to, to do everything we can to bring them to know Jesus. That's the goal. And sometimes what God does is amazing because when we shake the dust of our feet, 
and when we leave them behind, that's the very thing that they needed to come to know him. They need to see the change in our lives. And so, so there comes a time where we have to shake the dust from our feet and leave people behind. The second thing is that I want you to see, there's also a time for cleansing through forgiveness. And if it happens after the fence has already taken place, it's too late. But Pastor Adam, how, how in the world can you, can you forgive people that you don't know what they're going to do to you? What if they hurt your kids? What if, what if they, they hurt people that are close to you? How, how are you going to be a, people, a person of forgiveness then? And that's when I always go back to a message that I heard by Pastor Sean Spears, the guy that has been in my life since I was in college. And he taught me this in a sermon once. He said, the definition of forgiveness, write this down because I hope you don't forget it. The definition of forgiveness is giving up your right to pay someone back. I'll say it again. Giving up your right to pay someone back. When there's an offense in my life, I have a right to offend that other person. If they punch me in the nose, I have the right to punch them in the nose. I have the right. But when someone punches me in the nose and says, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Then I have forgiven them. And ladies and gentlemen, please hear me loud and clear. I am not telling us, telling you to be a pushover. I'm not telling you to allow people just to, to walk a, all over you. There is a time where you need to shake the dust off your feet. But I'm saying that we need to be people of forgiveness. People that are willing not just to turn the other cheek, but willing to turn the other cheek before we even got punched in the first place. Romans chapter 12, verse 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that to, to the righteous anger of God. For all scripture says, I will take revenge and I will pay them back, says the Lord. When we realize that God can pay them back a whole lot better than we can, come on somebody, we know we like to pray for people to get revenge. And when we can turn it over to God and say, God, it's yours, then I can remove myself from the situation. And I can forgive people that hurt me. Because God can pay them back a whole lot better than I can. But I'm convinced that the Bible teaches us that the only way that we can fully understand forgiveness is by receiving forgiveness ourselves. 
the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, it says, Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Just as God, through Christ, has forgiven you. The, the Lord's Prayer that Jesus taught us, our Father who art in heaven, you guys know it, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Forgive us our debts as, our, as we have our debtors. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Ladies and gentlemen, if God forgave me based on how I forgive others, I am in trouble. But that's what Jesus taught us how to pray. And that's why he wants us to forgive before we're even offended. You see, God knows a thing or two about conflict. He does. Because the Bible teaches us that when Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, conflict came between us and between God. Because Adam and Eve disobeyed God in the Garden, the Bible says in the book of Romans, that there is no one righteous, no, not one. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. And because we are all sinners, we have conflict with God, ladies and gentlemen. The question is, have you resolved the conflict with God this morning? Do me a favor, would you stand to your feet, every head bowed, every eye closed? We all have conflict with God this morning. But I am thankful that God doesn't shake the dust off of his feet. (laughs) You know what God does with dust? He creates. And the very thing, the very thing that oftentimes turns us off is the very thing that God uses to bring us to Him. The question for you this morning is, is your conflict with God solved? See, the Bible says in John 3, 16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, God has a resolution for the conflict between you and him. It's forgiveness. Forgiveness that is bought with a price. Forgiveness that is bought with the very blood of his own son. Jesus on a cross for you and for me. We have our prayer team at the at the front and at any time in this in this in this moment of reflection, 
at any time, you're welcome to come forward and to, to have them pray with you. They want to pray with you this morning. But I have to ask the question, is there anyone in the room that would be willing to say, Pastor Adams, there's conflict between me and God this morning because I haven't accepted the death of his son, Jesus. Would you be bold enough to tell me by raising your hand, Pastor Adam, that's me. I have conflict between God and I. Thank you. I saw that hand, even though it was like one of those, like, flip up, like. I saw that hand, too, in the middle. Anybody else? Pastor Adam, there's conflict between God and I. Thank you, I see it. If you raise your hand this morning, I want to invite you to say this prayer with me. In church, oftentimes, I've done this two weeks in a row, I'll do it three weeks in a row, maybe I won't do it next week, but I get to a point in my life where I want to remind myself of that, that prayer that I said when I was five years old, when I had no idea what I was doing, I was scared to death, but I knew I needed Jesus. And so I remind myself by saying it over and over and over again. So I'm going to lead, I want, I want the church to repeat this prayer after me. Say, God, out loud, say, God, I come to you as a sinner with conflict between me and you. And I want to resolve that conflict. I thank you that you have done everything that I need to do to resolve it. And so, God, I come to you and trust you by trusting in Jesus and his death for me. And now, because I have trusted in him, our conflict is resolved. Help me to live for you. In Jesus' name I pray. If you said that prayer for the first time, there's a, on the card that you got, just, there's a, a part that says, I'm committing to follow Jesus. Just, just mark that card so that so we can celebrate with you today. So that we can celebrate with you today. Now, now there, there's conflict. Some of you have been trying to avoid with people. And you need to either shake the dust off your feet or you need to forgive them. I can't tell you which one it is. But some of those people may need to just, just shake the dust off your feet and leave. Some of those people you need to actually get dirty. Get on your hands and your knees. Call them up and wash their feet. I want to pray for you if that's you this morning. God, I thank you so much for every person that, that is in this room. Father, I thank you for those that 
have resolved their conflict with you, but Lord, there are people that have conflict with other people this morning. Lord, I pray that they would, they would find a way this morning just to find a way to look at those people as dust, just like they are. That they would come to a point that, that they would do whatever is necessary to resolve that conflict. Lord, I pray. I pray that you would help them to shake the dust off their feet if that's what you want. But Lord, I pray that they would be willing to get dirty if that's what they have to do to, to get on their hands and to get on their knees and to, to wash their feet and resolve that conflict. Lord, I thank you that your word teaches us how to live this life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Would you give God a hand for everything that he has done today? Come on. Come on.